0: Anyway, let's turn to Isaiah 53. I'm going to tell you a little testimony that goes with this. Some of you know it, but I'm going to repeat it because I just had this on my heart today. Um, uh about how the Holy Spirit, this is this is kind of a explanation tonight of how the Holy Spirit can cocoon us uh while we're going through some tough stuff. And you know, no matter what you go through, the hell of this life. How many know that you run into a little bit of hell here and there? They, you know, like up at West Point, they'll have like the the new recruits week. They call it Hell Week or whatever. They run these poor guys through the all kinds of unspeakable things. Um, well, I've had Hell Day, Hell Week, Hell Month, Hell Years, Hell Decades. To be honest with you, sometimes it seemed like in certain areas. Have anybody ever been there where it just seemed like you seemed like you couldn't even see uh you know the light at the end of the tunnel or whatever. Uh, all you could do is feel the walls of the tunnel and keep moving through. And uh, but there's a difference in there's a difference in overcomers overcoming and succumbers not overcoming. And I think the difference is is how much that we allow the Holy Spirit to insulate us. Now it, it it's 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 unfortunate that we can't pray the prayer, Lord, don't let me go through anything else ever again. That would be a nice prayer. One lady said, uh, came up to R.W. Shambock one time, and she said, Brother Shambock, would you pray that I'll never have any more trouble with the devil? And he said, yeah, I've got a prayer for that. She says, oh, good. I knew if anybody could help me, it would be you. And he laid hands on her, and he said, kill her, Lord, right now. And she backed away from him. <laughs> she said, don't pray that over me. He said, well, the only way for you not to have any more challenge or any more problem is to, to die and go to heaven. I mean, you know, this life is not going to ever be totally perfect. It's just not. Because we have an enemy, the devil, and he hates us. And he's always seeking whom he may devour. He's always testing the fences. He's always testing the fences to see if there's anywhere he can get into your life and cause you grief. Now, you know what he wants you to say? I hope you get something out of this tonight. I'm pretty fired up about it. Do you know what he wants you to question and say about God, the devil? He has only one. People say his bag of tricks. He's only got one trick. He's only got one. I'm telling you, when you figure this out, you'll be happier. Because you think he's so intricate and and detailed. No, he's not. He's got one dumb back, one dumb trick. And it's questioning what he said to Eve in the garden. He said, hath God said. So hath God said you're the redeemed? Hath God said that you're a, a overcomer? Hath God said you're above and not beneath the head and not the tail? Hath God said all of Abraham's blessings belong to you? Hath God said you're a partaker of the divine nature? Hath God said that, you know, all these wonderful things? And he's always questioning it. And he'll create scenarios and circumstances and put on the best play you've ever seen since Broadway. But he's way off Broadway. You understand? He's not even in the state of New York. He's so far off Broadway that he is he's out there, he's in Indiana somewhere, you know, uh, because he is absolutely um, putting on these skits all the time in front of us of how bad things are and trying to get us to buy into his program and to question, well, am I really blessed? Does God really love me? Does he care about me? Does he care what I'm going through? Has he really borne my sicknesses and carried my pains? Has he really uh blessed me with all things pertaining to life and godliness? It sure don't look like it today. Am I the only person that's ever been through this? You know, come on. And so his question, he's got one dumb trick. That's it. Hath God said. You know, we sing the song here quite a bit. uh Good, good father. That God is good. He'll never hurt you. He, in God is only light. There is no darkness at all. Now, a lot of churches, God bless everybody, but you know, a lot of churches, they'll have a doctrine that says God's hiding in the shadows, going to come out and zing you with a zinger. You know, you never know when what he's got his trap set for you. But that's, that they got the God and the devil mixed up, I'm telling you. Because in God is only light, and there is no darkness, and there is no intrigue, and he doesn't sneaky, weird plan. He, he, uh, his his ways are yea and amen. He's out in the open. He says let your ways, uh, let your yeas be yea and your nays nay. He doesn't operate in gray area or spooky-wooky land. You understand that? God is out in the open. In God is light. You can see everything that there is to see about God. He's not mysterious and hiding in the summer to see you know, you got, you got God and Dracula mixed up. He's not going to fly out like a bat out of the corner and bite you. And so we need to, I don't know why the church gets so weird, but it, it can. And, uh, and almost scare people where God's concerned, you know. So no wonder sometimes children and, and teenagers, they don't want to have anything to do with God because he seems so scary. You know, he's an, he's a, he's an eyeball in the sky watching you. No, that would be the federal government. It's a, it's their headquarters is in Virginia. It's the NSA. They're watching you. Hi, federal government. But the, uh, God is not some eyeball in the sky waiting to see you do something wrong and catch you and slap you down. That's bad, bad doctrine. We were all taught with some of that stuff and it's horrible. It does not help you have faith. It does not help you serve God. Amen. Amen. So I'm just, you know me, I just scatter I'm like the buckshot passer here. I just I fire the gun and see what I hit. Okay? <laughs> Thank you, Nick. And so uh yeah, we've got we've got um so we can't control our circumstances all the time. But we can live above them in the unseen realm and we can stay protected and we can go, literally go through things that would, would break down the average person. And yet we just go right on through smiling and rejoicing and worshiping and giving and blessing and helping and, and people go, well my God, I don't know how you survived that. People will say to me sometimes, you don't know what I've been through. And I go, oh, don't tell David Horton that. You want to test that? You know, I mean, I've, I've buried a child, buried a wife, and, uh, and, and been, been through financial hell and all kinds of stuff. You can't imagine what I've been through, and yet I'm here kind of at least halfway in my right mind. <laughs> Some of my friends wonder, you know, but I'm telling you, I've got joy in my soul, and, and my, I'm in my right mind, and, and, and I'm happy in life, and, God's blessing me and uh, in spite of it all yeah. what's the difference in a person who burns out and loses their mind and somebody else what's the difference the difference is uh depending on the holy spirit to insulate you yeah. now in uh, when you travel internationally especially especially in foreign countries they like to do this at airports they'll have these machines that you can pay you know a couple of bucks and you can have your suitcase Saran wrap. You ever seen that? They got this. They got this uh, machine that they stick your suitcase in, and then they, this thing comes around and wraps this heavy-duty plastic that will survive a nuclear holocaust. I promise you, this plastic is so thick you can't even get it off once you put it on there. But they, it's, it's to protect your bag, you know, from ever coming apart. Or uh, getting really filthy, dirty, you know, on the bottom of a plane or whatever. So a lot of people do it. I don't like it because TSA will eventually want to cut it off and look in your bag because they figure, what are you protecting? More high federal government. NSA. I hope you enjoy. Are you having your donuts and coffee tonight? Um, but anyway, um, the the thing is, is is this 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 plastic wrap. It, it it's kind of cocoons the bag, the luggage. Well, this is what the Holy Spirit will do for us if we'll let Him. You can go through unspeakable things, and yet the Holy Spirit will surround you. And it'll be as if, yeah, amen, it'll be as if you're not going through anything. And people will wonder if you've lost your marbles, right? And say, "I think it's gone to their head." They don't. And then, and then, and then you got the the folks who want to tell you how you how you should be. They'll say, people will say, um, "I don't think you understand the seriousness of this." Now I'll tell you a great, you know, and you're going, "No, I don't understand it because I am in Christ." And he's already overcome the world. Well, I don't think you're you're in denial. No, I'm not. I'm in Florida. Denial is in uh, Egypt. I'm pretty sure I'm not in denial. We might be in de- Antioch, but not in denial. <laughs> you know, oh, you're in denial of what's really going on. Otherwise, you would be upset. I don't understand why you're not more upset. I had people, you know, when when Chris passed away, I actually had some family members say, well, I wasn't upset enough. And I'm thinking, you know, first, first, after you punch them, want to punch them in the nose, we're saying, how dare you judge my reaction to the death of my oldest son, you know, uh, assassinated by three Pakistani insurgents, you know, I mean, how, how can anybody judge your reaction? You know, they don't know the agony and anguish of that until they've gone through it, you know. So then you want to, you know, (laughs) how, there's a thin line between walking in love and just, you know, losing your sanctification or something (laughs) and punching them in the nose. You know, but you know, people say, well, you're not, you're not upset enough based on what? Listen, nothing separates us from the love of God. Nothing. The death of a child, the death of a beloved wife, you know. I mean, I was married for 30, almost 36 years, you know, Sheree and I together. And, uh, you know, until you go through something like that, you don't have any idea what that feels like. Uh, you know, the devil telling, telling you you're going to be all by yourself, nobody loves you, that kind of thing. But, you know, in the midst of that, it's like, are you supposed to fa- The world wants you to fall apart. The world wants you to lose your mind. The world wants you to become a drug addict at that point. Even if it's a doctor helping you be a drug addict. Where you're just, you're taking something to get up and taking something to go to bed. Calm you down, pick you up, chill you out, whatever. And so when you say, no, I'm not going to go that route. I'm going to, some trust in horses, some in chariots. I'm putting my trust in the name of the Lord my God. Amen. Amen. And uh, and the Lord's putting me over. Praise the Lord. And so I thought I would help you with that. So, you know, uh, Isaiah 53 here, let's just look at uh, verse 4. Now, we, normally we use this strictly as a healing scripture. But it's beyond that. It's every blessing. There's only one redemptive work. And it, and it and it fulfilled all redemptive blessings. Now, folks, God's not using sickness to test your lo- loyalty to him. He's not using poverty to test, you know, if you love him more than money or some crazy thing like that. That is just ridiculous. That would be like God, that would be like you hiring a hitman to do something. God's not in the, God's not in the persecution and death business. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He's not trying to kill you. He's not trying to destroy you. He's not testing you. Let no man say when he's tested or tempted that it's the Lord doing it, James says. So let's see here, Isaiah 53 verse 4. Surely, That means it's for sure, okay. (laughs) Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now the actual, the actual translation of that from Hebrew is sicknesses, uh, pain, surely borne our sickness and carried our pains. However, because it is in the English this way, we'll take that too. Anything that's causing you grief, Jesus bore it. Anything that's causing you sorrow, Jesus carried it. Well, whatever he bore and whatever he carried, we don't have to. Woo! I shout myself. I believe in God for a church full of shouters. One of these days, we're going to have it. Amen. I'm hanging in to the end. <laughs> Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. In other words, there's an exchange here. He took our transgressions he, uh, by being wounded. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now we're healed, we're delivered, we're supplied, we're set free, we're everything that salvation got for us. Now there's a testimony, you know, Chris had been killed, you know, on September 9th, 2011. And uh, we got the proverbial knock at the door, you know, from the army. And uh, the um, we had, you know, we went through the whole thing. I think most of you know this story. We had five weeks because of the army. We had five weeks of ceremony and funeral. Now, you know, most people they lose a loved one. It's about three days to five days of ceremony, you know going to the funeral home, that kind of thing. For us, it was five weeks. Now, Dorita knows because she, she, she and Bob were there for for part of it. So because you have, you know, when they fly them into Dover, you go up there, there's ceremony. Can you imagine that? You got your son laying there. You got six soldiers march out there with a drum beat at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh pulling your son's body off of the off of the transport plane draped in an American casket and that's that's as they found him on the battlefield that's with no nothing no clean up nothing and then they they Dover is where they process you know where they have the mortuary and everything so we start with that and you go to dignified transfer into Tulsa and then you go dignified transfer from the airport to the funeral home. And then more dignified transfer to the church for the funeral. And then dignified transfer back to the airport. And then you wait two or three weeks and then you go to Arlington for all that. And uh, so can you imagine, you know, it's five weeks, folks of 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 grieving and and casket and funeral and uh the whole thing okay it's really something well while you're great it's a bittersweet cuz while you're grateful for the honor that's being bestowed it's still tough on the families sure. and uh, so a few months later we're sitting in the coffee shop At the Marriott in uh, uh, somewhere, Massachusetts. I get all the little towns mixed up. But anyway, somewhere near Springfield. And we're sitting there. uh, Is there Glastonbury? Is there that? Is there something like that? Mass? I don't know. Something. Something starts with a G. Anyway, a G town in Massachusetts. So we're sitting there. And... um, The trying to have breakfast. For some reason, that morning I had taken my Bible down to the to the coffee shop. I don't always do that, but I did that morning for some reason, and was going to look up some scripture. So we're in the little hotel coffee shop having breakfast. My wife and I, Sheree and I, and and um, I look up. You know, we're just talking about the day and whatever. Enough note in this small talk, like couples do. And uh I looked up and there's a tear running down her face. And I said, uh, Sheree, what's what's going on? You know, what's what's wrong? And she says, I just can't get over this thing with Chris. Now see, this was like March or something after the burial in October. And she says, I just can't get get over this. I, I, I know that I should be able to get over it. The Lord should be helping me. She's got all the scriptures. She's got, you, you'd be surprised at the number of grief books people try to hand you to read, like as if you've got nothing but hours to read grief books. You want to take them and tell them where to, they can store the grief book. But anyway, it's just me. It's just, okay, you can do your thing, but it's just for me, I didn't appreciate the grief books because I thought they're all the same. We read one, you know, it's, it's, first of all, they usually rebuke you for having any. And, uh, this just doesn't, is not helpful. So, at any rate, because you're supposed to just bounce back and go to Disneyland the next day, uh, we just didn't feel, feel, wasn't feeling it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just making everybody uncomfortable. I hope I'm not. I'm just trying to express something no, here. <laughs> so, because I'm not uncomfortable, I can see I'm fine. This just goes along with this. I thought it would help you maybe. And help those watching on the internet. So at any rate, Sheree's there. You can see her, you know, tear coming down. And I said, what's wrong? She said, I can't get over this thing with Chris. You know, she said, I, I just, I can't get around it. It's just horrifying. Well, me, I just go, well, all I know to do is look in the Word. And, and I'm thumbing through my Bible in the coffee shop and I come across Isaiah 53. And I said, well, it says here in verse 4, surely he hath borne our griefs. So she was in grief and carried our sorrows, uh, and she's in sorrow. I said, you know, Cherie, whatever Jesus bore, we don't have to. And she said, well, that's really true, and I know that. You know, it wasn't news to her. This wasn't like fresh revelation, but it's sometimes good to be reminded of what the Word says, and go back to it. And uh, so she did, and um, as she was sitting there, continuing to talk and have more coffee and try to dry up the tears, my eyes wandered over to 54. Now, sometimes scriptures don't come alive to you till you need them. You can read scriptures, you know, and it's like, yeah, 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 I know that's in there. Yeah, 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 until there's a circumstance that that scripture speaks to. And all of a sudden, something that you've even had memorized from a child, it could be the 23rd Psalm or the 91st Psalm or something that you're just so used to quoting, and all of a sudden, you know, it becomes rhema word to you. And uh, and and your very life depends on those words. Now, I don't understand these Christians these days that are going around with no Bibles and they don't ever read the Bible and you know very little scripture in this preaching. And I, I don't I don't know how anybody's going to grow from that. I mean I, I'm just you know I guess I'm just a dinosaur, but I, I just I just I don't know any other thing to eat spiritually than the Word of God. And the word I'll tell you, thank God for revivals and for feelings and for outpourings and this and that. Thank God for that, but I'll tell you there's times when you have no feeling. If you went by what you felt, you just jump off the bridge by, based on how you feel. But thank God, Brother Hagan, beat it into us. Stand on the word. And quote the word and claim the word. Even when you feel nothing after you do it. Has anybody been there? (laughs) Where where you just say, This thus saith the Lord. This is what the Word says. I've read Scripture and I've held it up. I used to have a this condo I lived in in Orange Beach, Alabama. It had a skylight, you know. And I would hold the Bible up like that. And I'd say, Read it to the Lord. Not in disrespect, but in, he likes it when we stand on what he said. You're you're not disrespecting the Lord by telling him, let me remind you of what your word says. Is this helping anybody? So my eyes fell over here on Isaiah 54. You you all have heard this this whole thing before, but it just came to me tonight. Um, I want you to look at verse 11, because this is where my script, my eyes fell uh, on Isaiah 54:11. 11. Oh, thou afflicted. Well, that was me and Sheree. That's bad grammar, isn't it? That was Sheree and I. Sorry. I went to school in Georgia. We were 49th in the nation for education. O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest. Now, think about that. How Have you ever felt like that? It's like being in a little dinghy, a little boat, out in a storm. You don't have a rudder. You don't have an oar. You don't have a motor. You don't have a sail. You have no way to steer that boat. It's being tossed in a tempest. You're just down in the bottom of that thing. Has anybody ever felt this way? In life. You're down in the bottom of it and you're, you've got a rope tied across you and you're hanging on and spitting the water when it comes over the top and all you're doing is hanging on and praying, Lord, don't let this thing sink. Has anybody been there? This is verse 11. Tossed with tempest. Meaning you can't get your, even your bearings. You just, you feel like You're punch drunk, fighting alligators. And that's the way Cherie was feeling that day. Not comforted. Not, she was not comforted. People throw out little cliches thinking that's going to help you. Well, the Holy Spirit's your comforter. You know, you just want to go, just the tone of that. Even if they're saying the right thing, The tone can be so flippant. Christians, I'm talking, can be so flippant with one another and so unfeeling and so uncaring and so whatever, cold as ice. And even if they're saying the word, it can be with the wrong spirit and it come across very cutting. This is a two-edged sword and you can use it to hurt people if your attitude's wrong. Never have You know, I don't usually go there, but I just decided to. Because sometimes we just need to, before we say one word to somebody, we need to say, Holy Spirit, give me the words to say. And sometimes the Lord will say, don't say nothing, just give them a hug. Just give them a hug and say, you know, I don't even have words for you, but I just want you to know that I love you and I care about you and I'm praying for you. You know, y'all know, sometimes that's the best thing I've ever said to you. Sometimes folks come to me in the church with problems, and I don't have the answer. And It can be a complicated mess, their life. And I don't know where to start. You ever had a big ball of yarn or something that's all tied up? You don't know where to start to unravel it. And I sometimes don't know. But I'll tell you one thing, I can love you, and I can care. That goes a long ways. That somebody cares. That somebody loves you. Somebody's thought of you. Somebody's praying for you. They noticed you looked a little more tired than normal. They noticed that you, you looked, uh, concerned or depressed a little. Are you listening? Sometimes that's the best thing we can do, and sometimes it's just, uh, 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 we can look somebody dead in the eye and just, just give them a hug and just say, I know you're, I know you're, I know you're in a battle, and I want you to know you're not alone. I'm telling you, we, that's an art to that, isn't there? And, uh, I believe our church can, can be, uh, on the cutting edge of some of that. So, that was Cherie, especially that day in Massachusetts. old, thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted. Now look what he says here. Behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors, lay thy foundations with sapphires. I will make thy windows of agates, thy gates of carbuncles, and all thy borders of pleasant stones. He's just described the construction of a castle. Because a normal little house doesn't have all those features. But if you visit in Europe, which I've done, castles, I actually saw when I was in Spain, crusade era, castles with agate windows. Slices of stone that let the light in. And, and it was not long after this that I went. Many of you might remember my trips to Europe. And I went and I saw the the windows of agates. I took pictures of it, sent it back to Sharia. I said, look, this is what the scripture says, windows of agates. You don't find windows of agates in just a little two bedroom, one bath place. It's castles that have that. Castles have it. Why? Partly because it's expensive, but secondly, because the, the arrows that are shot and the missiles at the castle will not go through the windows if they're stone windows. So not only are the walls stone, the windows are stone. But they're the kind of stone sliced thin enough that lets the light in. Beautiful, like stained glass windows, but, you know. Isn't that something? I've got photos of that I should bring sometime and put them up so you can see what that looks like. So agate windows. So he's talking about a castle. Now, you know that a castle is built for refuge for those inside. And inside the castle walls, if it's a smart landlord, guy, he would have enough supplies, food, ammunition, whatever they needed, uh, to last for months. They could be, be besieged until a neighboring somebody come help them. And you can be besieged by life and be inside the castle of the Holy Spirit and be fine. You can't do anything about the arrows, Psalm 91, the arrows that fly at noonday and the ones that come at night. But you can be safe. In the arms of Jesus. Woo! Sunday. I'm going to get all Pentecostal on you. Oh, yeah. Come on. I walked the pews like Lethe Lowry. He had longer legs than me. Patent leather shoes. Polyurethane hair. Uh, slick, man. Evangelists were slick. All right. It says, uh, and look what happens during all this building. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord. So you don't have to worry about your children while you're in there. Great shall be the peace of thy children. We were claiming that, you know, at the time there was issues. In righteousness shalt thou be established. You know what that means? That castle, if you build a big enough house, you can name it. Now, if you have a small house and you name it, that's very pretentious. But if you have a big enough estate with gates, you can put a name on it. Villa, whatever. It's like driving through Palm Beach. Praise the Lord. Every one of those houses has a name. Because they're big enough property to have a name. And so, I just thought this would help you. What's the name of the castle here? Righteousness. Stay in the righteousness of God and the righteousness of Christ. Shall thou be established? For thou shalt be far from oppression. For thou shalt not fear. Woo! And from terror, for it shall not come near you. Let's keep reading. You want to? Behold, They shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for my sake. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. I have created the waster to destroy However, verse 17, we love to quote it, isolated, but you can see now why it works. It doesn't just work by itself. It works with the castle. You you gotta be offensive with the devil. You gotta come at him with the word and with your sword and your shield. But you also need to know when it's time to stay inside the Holy Spirit and stay calm and have peace and, and and let and hold your peace, and let the Lord fight your battle amen, amen. 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 and go and say, oh we need to like we need to pray in emergency tongues over that. well, no, see you know some you know, thank God for praying in tongues, but sometimes people do it out of fear more than out of faith. I guess it's better to do it out of fear than not do it at all, but the um, point is, you know you don't want to be putting out spiritual. Fear markers on yourself. Amen? People say, well, you know, let's, let's stay up all night and pace the floor. Well, there's a time to do that if the Lord shows you. There's a time to go to bed and say it's in the Lord's hands. And if he ain't big enough to put it over, then what am I? Not lose your mind over it. No weapon. How many you know when 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 crud there's another word that starts with cr but some people don't like it but when crud happens in life, you do know the goal of the devil is to discourage you that's the whole thing and just eat your lunch and and keep you upset and on top of your problems, you'll grow an ulcer. Oh, my God. Stupid devil. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, you shall condemn it. This is the heritage. It's an inheritance. Heritage is another word for inheritance. This is the, cause they say, what is your heritage? Well, I, you know, I grew up, uh, southern or Greek or Italian or whatever. And it, oftentimes you're describing your culture and it's your heritage. It's what you've got handed by your relatives. Well, we've got handed something by our spiritual relatives. God the Father and His Son Jesus and that agency, the Holy Spirit has given us a heritage of the servants of the Lord And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord, end of argument. I don't know if that helps you, but it helps me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that weapon that seems as if it's God, it seems, boy can you can feel it, you can taste it, you can smell it. That, that instrument of, of destruction that seems like it's sitting right here at your nose. And you can just go. That's it. That's it. Really? Hallelujah. And maybe, oh, I don't know if I'd do that if I was you. Well, that's because you don't know the Bible. But once you learn the Word and you know who you are in Christ and you know what a heritage, this is our heritage. Yeah, I, I, you 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 know like if you're Italian or something, and you use your hands when you talk, and like brother, thank you, <laughs> Amen, <laughs> and and very expressive. You, if somebody said, "My goodness, you know, you, well, I can't help it, I'm Italian, or I can't help it, I'm French, or I can't help it, I, you know, you know, it's like a an inherited thing. It's a trait. We can't help it. I tell you, we have a heritage tonight. We have an inheritance tonight, and our inheritance is no fear." Amen. We don't fear cancer, diabetes, arthritis, lupus, heart disease, gut disease, toe rot, or anything else. In the name of Jesus, praise the Lord. Well, you know, people our age, they have to go through this. No, don't confess that. Don't say things like that. Well, I'm old and creaky. No, you're not. No. <laughs> Stop. Stop cursing what God has blessed. Amen. I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. See, that's what you need to say. I've overcome because I'm in Christ and He's overcome the world. He overcome death, hell and the grave and everything foul. And I'm in Him. I'm in Him. No weapon formed against me can prosper. Boy, it sure seems like it can, doesn't it? It sure seems like it's dragging you under. But you just keep confessing the Word. You keep saying who you are in Christ, what you have, what the Lord is doing. And you'll have a testimony of the goodness of God in the land of the living. The devil is such a liar. Have you ever noticed that right before a breakthrough is when the heat is on the most? And he'll tell you, God doesn't love you he'll tell you God's not hearing your prayers. he'll tell you that it this ain't gonna work this time it worked last time it ain't gonna work this time all that stuff and if 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 you want to you want to say to him, you looks like you're the one that's nervous he's really he's the one that's nervous. why is he talking so much? He's afraid your faith will work because he knows that it will. Is this helping you tonight? Let's just lift our hands and thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm an overcomer. See, let's let's just make these confessions. We'll end the service by making these confessions. And just say this. Just say, I'm a child of God. I'm an overcomer. My life is wrapped and hid in Christ. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Hallelujah. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm redeemed from the curse. Christ has redeemed me. And I have Abraham's blessings. And I'm blessed above and blessed beneath. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going out and I'm blessed coming in. Yeah, right. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to praise Him a minute. You want to praise with me? Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. We're inheritors of the heritage. Hallelujah. And our children all have peace in Jesus' name. And we know if they have peace, that means they have to have God, and they have to have the Holy Spirit, and they have to have the Word. And in Jesus' name, we speak that all on our children, on our grandchildren. In Jesus' name. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter what it seems like. Doesn't matter what it smells like and feels like. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's, let's close out with a song. You want to? Something victorious? Thank you, Lord.